0: Romans chapter 12 beginning in verse 3 if you're there say I'm there. I'm there okay this is God's word and it says for the by the grace given to me I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned for as in one body everyone say body for as in one body we have many members everyone say members And the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Here's our key word. Having. Say a little bit louder. Having having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. Let's use these gifts. That have been given to us. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. I thank you for your church. I thank you for these people. Father, we pause. We pray for the go-go grandmas. For these ladies. What they're doing to provide for these different missionary efforts throughout the world. We pray for your blessing to be upon them. We pray that you bless the fundraiser, Lord, that they're hosting this Sunday. And God, we pray for tonight. Lord, I pray that tonight wouldn't simply just be information that goes out. That it wouldn't simply be a time where we just sing a bunch of songs and get together and say hi to one another. God, I pray that tonight would be a meeting place with you. Lord, that we would hear from you. That we would sense your presence. Lord, I pray that you soften our hearts to receive from you. I pray for the hearts that may have gotten callous or hard. I pray for those that might just come week out of week out of some sort of almost moral obligation rather than to meet with you. It's just a part of what they simply do and it's become just stale. Father, I pray that you would bring fresh wind, that you would bring fresh fire, that you would bring a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we do not worship at the altar of extraordinary we're not seeking some crazy experience lord we recognize that you meet us in the ordinary moments but god we also recognize that we worship at the altar of a supernatural god and so i pray that we wouldn't seek experience we wouldn't seek some crazy gifting but that we would seek you that you would meet us in the ordinary and in the mundane But that you would also give us eyes to see what you're doing supernaturally in the lives of your saints. Give us a sensitivity to your Holy Spirit. We welcome you in this place. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Amen. It was in 2015, in between my first and second semester of Bible college, that I went to Bali, Indonesia for six weeks. On a mission trip. You know, the surf's really good out there, but um, it was a mission trip and it was a pretty life-altering moment in my life. I went out for six weeks and I stayed with a buddy of mine that has been a mentor throughout my life and he was actually living out there as a teacher at an Australian school. I mean, all these rich Australian kids that just wanted to surf their brains out in Indonesia, they'd started a school, it was super legit, so he was a teacher there. I went out and lived with him. And during that time, or lived with him for six weeks, during that time, in that six weeks he needed some time away from me i talk a lot you know i'm young and um so he dropped me off at this other missionary's house and um This other missionary, he he was Pentecostal to the bone. Now I found out that he actually went to Calvary Chapel Bible College, but then he kind of went off into this like hyper Pentecostal movement. And I'm sitting there at his coffee table in Bali, Indonesia, and he's looking at me, he's telling me all these stories of these like radical things that God has been doing in Indonesia and how these people, all these these young people, they're being, demons are being cast out of them. The gospel's going forth and all these like visions and these dreams and God's meeting all these different place and then he looks at me and goes you know Tyler you're missing it there's a lot more and I remember that moment feeling like so condemned like what are you talking about dude like, just like totally like, what is this guy referring to? And I, my buddy picked me up and we're driving in this little, like this little boxy car through the crazy villages of Indonesia. And we're going through Kuda, which is this big old city in Bali. And it's raining outside. I'm like, dude, Tristan, what is the deal with this? Like this baptismal Holy Spirit stuff this guy's talking about, this speaking in tongues, I'm not even saved. Like, what is this? And he clarified, he clarified a little bit, but he didn't really have the answer. He's like, dude, I don't really know. Like, I know, you know, I've studied the Bible. It's kind of in the Bible. I just remember John Corson, a tape when I was your age, Tyler. And John Corson just said, ask, just ask and you'll receive. And we were in the car. We're driving in Kuda, Indonesia. It's raining outside and I've never been so desperate for Jesus. It was a moment. It was a marked moment in my life. Well, I really, I wasn't, I wasn't seeking some experience. I was just honestly and, and in humility and in desperate, desperation, saying, God, if there's more of you, I want it. If there's more to this Christian life and experience, I'm all in. God, you can have all of me. It is yours. Nothing crazy happened. Except when we got back to the house and there's this Hindu temple beside us and they're like chanting all night long and I'm like in my, in my bedroom and I'm reading scripture and I'm just like praying like, God, like I, I really want more. And I see this demon pop up in the corner of my room and he's like going like this. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like this demonic thing. And I remember though that there was this, I, I, I never had this kind of like boldness before. Where it's just like, Rebuke you in the name. I didn't know what to do. Rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Like get out of here. But as I look back at that moment. And I know that that story might be a little bit different for some of you. And you're kind of scratching your head. And that was just my experience. And I don't believe in, in the, the hyper Pentecostal. That everyone gets the gift of tongues. And gift of tongues is the mark of salvation. No. We do not hold that here at Calvary Chapel. But the point of that story is. And I'm fully convinced. That there is more. There's always more. We've never attained. There is always more that God desires to do in our lives. And you know the point of experiencing more is surrender. It's desperation. It's saying, God, it's not my will be done, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is always more. And I believe in the spirit empowered, spirit filled life. That the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a force. He's not an object. He is the third part of the Trinity. He is God the Spirit. And because the work of Jesus on the cross and Jesus forgiving of, of our sin, reconciling us to the Father, we know that the temple veil was torn from top to bottom, showing that we have access into the presence of God, but also that the presence of God now has access to us. That we live in a moment unlike ever before in history. The Old Testament saints didn't have it. They did not have a relationship with the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit indwelt the life of a believer. Friends, this is the empowered life that we've been talking about. And there's always more. God is infinite. We're never going to reach the end of God. There's always more that God is going to do and desires to do in us and through us. Tonight, we're going to talk about the spiritual gifts. It's interesting that after that moment that I was so desperate and really had this surrender type moment to Jesus there in Indonesia. As I trace back to that moment, from that moment on, I began teaching the Bible. I had a boldness to share the gospel. That God had somehow poured out a gifting. I didn't have words. I was ignorant at the time. But that he had anointed me with some sort of gifts in that moment. That man had to be developed and are continuing to be developed. But there was a marked difference. And I believe that the spiritual gifts, we believe that the spiritual gifts are still for today because Scripture talks about them. And tonight we're actually going to talk about every spiritual gift. We're going to go through at least 20 spiritual gifts. But before we do, I want to give you a framework for the spiritual gifts. Is that okay? Are you ready? Okay. there's two things that we're going to look at tonight. First, we're going to look at the message of the Bible. Everyone say the message of the Bible. Then we're going to look at the model of Jesus. Two things to build a framework when it has to do with the spiritual gifts. First, the message of the Bible. You know the creation story. God made humanity in what? In his humanity. image. Image in his likeness. We are categorically different than any other created being because we're made in the Mago day in the image of God. And if you didn't know, there was a mandate that God gave in the creation account. It's known as the creation mandate. Let me read it to you. It's in Genesis chapter one, verse 28. After God had created Adam and Eve, man and woman, we read this in Genesis 1, 28, that God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and, amen, and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. What is he talking about? Well, we being the image of God, one of the ideas there is that we are his representation here on earth. To represent our creator to the rest of creation. To spiritual beings and physical beings. Are you following? We are called then to multiply that physical representation all throughout the, the, the earth, throughout the world. This was the creation mandate. In other words, very simply, the point is this. God wanted to partner with his people to build his kingdom and give him glory. That's it. God wanted to partner with humanity to build God's kingdom for God's glory. But then what happened? Sin. Sin entered into the picture. Sin made Adam and Eve have to exit the garden. Now the relationship between God and humanity has been severed. And it has been cut off. The Mago Day has been marred. And now it's real rocky. I mean, you read the rest of Genesis. You read Exodus, and it's like this earth was not exactly what it was designed to be, right? Because sin entered the picture. So what happened? Well, here's some good theology for you. Ready? The Father initiated redemption of buying back, a redeeming of humanity so that we could be reconciled with the Father. He gave an initiation of this redemption right there at the fall as he promised that there would be a seed that would crush the head of the serpent. And then he made that sacrifice and he closed Adam and Eve. Are you following me midweek service? And he initiated redemption in that moment. And all of the Old Testament is the Father initiating redemption through families, through the nation of Israel, then the prophets are prophesying of redemption. So the Father initiates redemption all throughout the Old Testament. You good? Yeah. But then the Son comes. Remember, God is three in one. Father, Son, and? So the Father initiated redemption, but redemption was not completed until who? The Son, Jesus. And Jesus really did complete redemption. The problem was sin. And so Jesus was born to save us from our sin. And where did he go? He went to the cross where he bore bore our sin upon him. He who knew no sin became sin that we would become the righteousness of God. We were forgiven of our sin, reconciled to the father. And at that moment on the cross, as he was crucified for the sin of the world, the temple veil was torn from top to bottom. Exactly what we said a moment ago, showing that we have access to the father. And now that God has access to us. You following? And Jesus proclaimed on the cross, it is, it's been completed. We've been purchased. There's nothing else that we need to add to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It is in his crucifixion and in his resurrection. Redemption has been completed. But we're not quite there yet, right? Like it's been completed, but we live in this weird space right now where the world hasn't totally been redeemed, right? Now it's been purchased, but the king has not come back and righted every wrong and wiped every tear from the eye, correct? So the father initiated redemption. The son completed a d- redemption. But then Jesus said, it's your benefit that I go away because then I'm going to send a Helper, why? Because when Jesus ascended into heaven, then the spirit of God descended upon the church in Acts chapter two, because the father initiated redemption, the son completed redemption, but the Holy Spirit applies redemption. He applies the work of Jesus on the cross in the lives of the church so that now we are co-agents and the work of redemption here on planet earth. Is that cool? So remember the creation mandate in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28? The whole idea is us partnering with God for his kingdom to be built here on earth for his glory and our good. Remember that? Well, there was a revised edition then that Jesus gives where? In Matthew 28. After the crucifixion and resurrection and before his ascension, what does he say to the disciples? He says, go preach the gospel and make Disciples of all nations. In other words, the same. It's an echo. Similar language from Genesis account. It's just been revised. It's been updated. But the point is still the same. That God desires to partner with humanity. That God would build his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven for his glory and our good. Right? Is that cool or what? So that's the message of the Bible. In fact, you could even take it a step further. So right now, as the Holy Spirit has been given to us, indwells us, and he's redeeming us, and then we're agents of God's redemption here on earth as we preach the gospel, as we make disciples, as people are brought into the kingdom. Well, guess what? When Jesus returns, we're not just going to be singing songs in heaven. We're actually going to be co-reigning alongside him. See, God wants to partner with humanity to build God's kingdom, not our kingdom, God's kingdom for his glory. And so we see that's the message of the Bible. So then what does that look like for us then? Like if the Holy Spirit's been given to us and he is the applier of redemption that's been completed by Jesus... And the Spirit's been given to us and spiritual gifts have been given to us. What in the world does that look like? Well, then we've seen the message of the Bible. Let's consider then the model of Jesus. Okay, follow with me on this. This is kind of cool. Jesus said some wild things while he was here on earth. Are you ready for it? Consider Jesus, Jesus, who is 100% God and 100% man. We read this in Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. This is before the beginning of Jesus's ministry. We read that Jesus was baptized. Immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This was a marked moment in the life and ministry of Jesus. We do not hear much of what was going on in the life of Jesus before this. We know about his birth and the incarnation. We know that uh, Mary and Joseph lost him when he was a young boy. And he's just like hanging out in the temple. We know very few things. But after this moment of his baptism, then the ministry of Jesus really begins. So what exactly is going on here? Well... Bible commentators and scholars all agree that Jesus in his humanity, he was the first human to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. He was the first human, 100% man, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. But what we are told in Philippians chapter 2 is that he what? Emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. Everything that Jesus did, he did in the power and ministry of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? He did it in the ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit. When was he empowered by the Holy Spirit? At his baptism, when the Spirit came upon him in the form of a dove and the likeness of a dove. It was there that he was empowered the ministry it's from that moment on that he began to gather disciples that he began to teach that he began to cast out demons that he began to heal the sick it was from that moment on he was empowered by the holy spirit he was the first empowered man empowered by the spirit therefore if we desire to know what it looks like to be empowered by the holy spirit we actually can look at jesus Everything he did was by the power of the Holy Spirit because he emptied himself. Are you following? So we read, do a little study in the Gospels. The Spirit led Jesus. The Spirit led Jesus. Just moments after his baptism, the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. And then the Spirit led Jesus to prayer. And then he's asking the Father for permission and guidance for doing different things. And he was given revelation of what the Father's desire for him was by who? The Spirit. Are you following? The key, the point that we're making here is in order to know what it looks like to be an empowered person, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we actually can look at the life and ministry of Jesus. Is that kind of cool? Okay, so we've looked at the message of Jesus. We've now looked at the model of Jesus. Let me read to you a few of the words of Jesus. John chapter 14, verses 12 to 14. You know this text in this, this passage of scripture pretty well. This is what Jesus has to say. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And then guess who he goes on to talk about the next verse? The person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. If we want to know what it looks like to have the empowered, spiritual, spirit-filled life, we can look at Jesus. He has promised us an empowered life. You see, in Pentecost, in Acts 2, the church was empowered by the Holy Spirit, but it was at the baptism in Matthew 3 that Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, Jesus modeled what it meant to be led by the Spirit and empowered by the Spirit. The Spirit determined where Jesus would go and what he would do. Simple point. I think we got it. Everyone with me? Yeah? Okay. Pretty cool? All right. So, this is a key to understand, though, before we head into spiritual gifts and, and break them down. As Jesus was anointed there or empowered by the Holy Spirit at his baptism, before he did anything for the Father... Before his ministry began, what do we read? The Father say to the Son, This is my beloved in whom I'm well pleased. This is like a life verse for me. This is really key. Before Jesus did anything for the Father, he was already the beloved. In a moment, we're gonna break down the spiritual gifts. And there's a a temptation to feel like maybe you are or are not a super saint as if these are superpowers that are given to us by God, that's not the case. There are no super saints in God's kingdom. There are no superpowers in God's kingdom. God does not love you any more because you do some crazy ministry adventure than if you do not. You are already his beloved. You do not have to work for his love, work for his acceptance, work for his affirmation. We have it because we are in Christ. Are you following? So this is just out into an overflow of our relationship with Jesus. As a good father, he gives us these gifts not to impress him. Definitely not to impress other people. But because he desires to partner with us in the building of his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven for his glory. Amen. Are you following? So I want to make this really key and transitionary statement before we continue. I believe, according to that verse that we read in Romans chapter 12, verse 6, let me read to you the NLT version. It says this. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. One of my goals for tonight is that you be persuaded by God's word that you have been given a spiritual gift by God out of his love for you that you would partner with him to build his kingdom for his glory. Okay? Okay? We've all been given a gift. Every one of you, if you're a follower of Jesus. But this is the transitionary statement that I want you all to understand. Your spiritual gift does not define your identity. But it does determine your ministry. Your spiritual gift does not define your identity. I am not defined By my spiritual gift to teach. I'm not defined by my role as a pastor. I am not defined by my ministry. You are not defined by your ministry. We are not defined by that. What did the father say to the son? This is my beloved in whom I'm well pleased. Your identity is in who? It's in Jesus. And it is not dependent upon anything else. It is secure. It is sure. It is in him. It is good news. But your spiritual gift does, it does determine your ministry. What do I mean by that? God has spiritually gifted you to partner with him. As you discover your spiritual gift, it will give you direction and determine how God desires to use you. If I tried to be a worship leader, oh man, I tried. Ask the youth. I tried to get up there and sing. That is not my gift. I have not been anointed by God to lead people in worship. No, we have to discover how God has spiritually and supernaturally gifted us to determine how he desires to for us to partner with him in the building of his kingdom for his glory. Are you following? Okay. Are you guys with me? Okay, so God wants us to partner with him to further his kingdom on earth for his glory. He's empowered us by the Holy Spirit. We can look at Jesus. He's a model of this. He's the first empowered, spirit-filled human being. So what then does Paul have to say about the spiritual gifts? Well, I'm so glad you asked. The spiritual gift passages are gonna be on the screen. We find that in Romans chapter 12, in Ephesians chapter four, in 1 Peter chapter four, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Okay. Now, Bible commentators and scholars, way more intelligent than I am, they have broken down the gifts into three categories that we're going to look at tonight, okay? To help us remember them, to help us identify them, to help us understand them. Are you ready for them? The word gifts, the love gifts, and the power gifts. The word gifts, the love gifts, and the power gifts, Others have called it the word, they called it the ministry gifts. The love, they called it the motivational gifts. And the power gifts, the manifestations. Okay? Choose whichever one you want. We're going to break them down into the three categories. The word gifts, the love gifts, and the power gifts. Are you guys following? Yeah? Okay. We're going to begin then with... The word gifts, but before we do, I want to make this distinction. There are two Greek words in the New Testament for gifts. Sort of. Okay? When we read what we read in Romans chapter 12, when we read in Ephesians chapter four, when we read in 1 Peter chapter four, the word gifts there, that word in the Greek is charismaticus. It's where we get the language. We are a charismatic church. We begin. We believe in the gifts and the graces of God for, for us, for the church today, charismaticus. 1 Corinthians 12, however, which is the power gifts or the manifestations, it's a different Greek word. And I believe it's so important to understand. That word, actually, if you have a new King James or King James Bible and you open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that word gifts there should be italicized because it's not actually there. That word in the Greek is pneumaticos. Everyone say pneumaticos. Pneumaticos, pneumaticos, pneumaticos. pneumaticos. That word there can be better transliterated into spirituals, Okay. So you have the Charismaticas, which are grace-given gifts, and then you have the Pneumaticos, 1 Corinthians 12, which are the, the manifestations, the spiritual gifts, um, that are laid out there that we're gonna identify as the power gifts. Are you all good with that? Okay. So get this, and I think this is really interesting, and consider this for a moment. Speaking of the Charismaticas, Paul says this in Romans chapter 11, verse 29. God's gifts and His call can never be withdrawn. Other translations say God's gifts are irrevocable. Have you ever wondered why there's that pastor that has a booming church and so many people are coming to Jesus and then you find out that he'd been in an affair for 10 years? And you're like, "How in the world does that work? Anyone else? Well, scriptures say that the gifts of God are irrevocable. They cannot be withdrawn. I like to think of it like this. The charismaticas, when we're born again into the family of God, it's like a spiritual DNA. It's been gifted. We've been hardwired a certain way by God to serve him for his kingdom and for his glory. Okay? It doesn't go away. The manifestations, the spirituals, the power gifts in 1 Corinthians 12... Those gifts are different. It's, it's, it's all those that have to do with, with being reliant upon. All of them have to do with being reliant upon the Holy Spirit. But those gifts are, are total just manifestations. They, they can come. They can go. Someone doesn't, we're, we're going to break it down in a second, but someone doesn't have the gift of healing and say that they can heal people any time they want. It's not up to them. It's a sovereign work of God that he is desiring to manifest himself in that moment. Are you following? But I think there's an interesting distinction there. So let's break down though, and let me introduce you to the word gifts. Are you following? Okay. Ephesians chapter 4. The word gifts are also in Romans chapter 12. Now the purpose of these gifts are for the building of the church to equip the church in ministry. For the building of the church in spiritual nourishment and the equipping of the church for the Ministry. All right, let me read to you Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 8, then we'll jump to 11 through 13. Ephesians 4 says this, When he, Jesus, ascended on high, he led a host of captives free and he gave gifts to men. Verse 11 He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. All right? The word gifts. It's a build. It's for the spiritual nourishment, for the equipping of the church. Let's list them and get into them. The first is apostles. Everyone say apostles. Now, there's some controversy when it comes to the gift of apostleship because we know that the word apostle means the sent one. All right. How many of you knew that? The sent one, apostles. Now, I hold to the idea, and many Calvary Chapel pastors do, that the idea of the sent one, get this, Jesus is the sent one of the Father, right? The Father sent Jesus. Then Jesus sent who? The 12 disciples who became the 12 apostles. Those are capital A apostles, we like to say. Capital A apostles. They are the, wor- the, they are the only ones that were qualified to write, to be inspired by Scripture. We believe that the Bible is a closed canon, right? But then we believe that the Holy Spirit that he has also continues to send, he sends out lowercase apostles. That there are specific people that have been supernaturally gifted and anointed by God to be sent out to do a new work, okay? These are what we would commonly maybe consider those that are church planners. Now, just because you're a church planner though, doesn't mean that you have this gift and therefore maybe the church plan won't go too hot. The idea though is that there's a supernatural gifting of a sent out person that this person can just go and he just has the ability, he or she has the ability to start something new. Let me give you an example, okay? There is this incredible missionary, Calvary Chapel pastor, currently serving in Nepal and India. His name's Aaron Garcia. He's a few years older than me. He went to CCBC Calvary Chapel Bible College and at the age of 22 22 years old. This guy moved out into Nepal to start a church. He grew up in Fountain Valley. He's Mexican, but somehow he looks a little bit Nepalese and Indian. I don't know. Except he's really tall. He's really, really tall. Everyone's a lot shorter than him out there. But he goes out there. He starts a church. And in seven years, he founded over Seven churches and two Bible colleges at the age of 22. He would come and he would visit the States. He would speak at Calvary Chapel Lompoc when I served there. Got to know him personally. Guy had no sweat on his back. He's just like, man, it's just, yeah, just, you know, went out there, started this church. It's like, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, you know, a little bit of persecution, but who knows? You know, we'll see. God's good. I mean, he just had zero stress about it. Zero anxiety about His wife's like, and I'm like, I'm like 20. Like in this, I'm going to go to Indonesia and start church. Not my gift. Not my gift. It's like a stressing mess. All right. No way. He had a supernatural anointing by God that was far beyond his natural ability to go to a foreign country and just all these churches were birthed. Bible colleges were started. Why? Because it is a supernatural gifting. It goes past natural ability. I believe the gift of apostleship in that manner is still for today. That's number one. We've got a lot more to go through. Number two, prophets. Okay, prophets. These are the comforters and the encouragers. Uh, First Corinthians Chapter 13, I believe, says that the gift of prophecy has been given for edification and comfort. Now, the gift of a prophet. Now, we're going to see a distinction in a moment between the gift of a prophet in Ephesians 4 and the gift of prophecies in 1 Corinthians 12. But there's overlap in really the idea there. It is the person who comforts and the person who encourages. Now, notice this. There are certain pastors, I guarantee you, certain communicators, speakers of God's word, that you will think about when I say this. They teach a sermon. And man, you did not really understand the scripture at all. Like they did not break it down systematically. But you left feeling so encouraged, so loved, and so built up. Can you think of that? Anyone? Okay, you just hear this teaching or maybe someone shares something to you. And man, it was like totally not exegesis, expeditional breakdown of the text. But it was like a knife to your heart. You just felt so loved, so encouraged, so comforted. It's a gift of a prophet. I still believe it's a gift for today. Then you have the evangelist. This is the person that goes out and just preaches the gospel. This is the Greg Laurie. It's like this guy, wherever he goes, all these people come forward and receive the Lord. Now get this. I love landing on this one and pausing because we can make a distinction here between really the supernatural and natural gifting. So follow me with these word gifts. I am not talking about the person who perfectly articulates the gospel. That's good. But someone who has a supernatural gift of evangelism, they might even fumble through the gospel presentation. And it was like, all these people got saved. Have you ever seen that before? I know I have. It's like, it's like man, that like oh, that didn't really make sense. All these people just responded to Jesus. And it's a great distinction because this is the thing. It's a supernatural gifting. It's a supernatural anointing. Now, this is also a great time to pause and consider for a second. All of us have been given a responsibility to go out and preach the gospel. Amen. But some of us, it's harder than others. That's okay. Okay. That's why when we consider the spiritual gifts, it's important in discovering your gifts so that you will not get discouraged. Some people will preach the gospel eloquently or maybe even not so eloquently, and all these people will respond. Others of us, it's, it's maybe difficult. And we have to think, and it's uncomfortable to witness to someone. That's okay. We still have to learn and develop through that. Maybe it's not necessarily our gifting, though, and so we don't need to compare ourselves to the people who it just comes supernaturally to. Are you following? So we've looked at the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist. Let's keep going. Then we have the shepherd teacher, okay? This is one word in the original language, and the idea here is a person who's caring, they protect from error, they teach truth, they disciple well, and they're able to make a call for someone, okay? Let me repeat that again. They're caring. They help us protect us from error. They teach truth. They disciple well. They make a call for someone, the shepherd teacher. We have a lot of shepherd teachers here at Calvary Vista, I'm so thankful for. There are many men and even maybe women that have been anointed by God with this, this ability just to care. To protect people from error. I think of Steve. I think of Jamie. I think of Pastor Steve. Pastor Jamie. Pastor Jesse. Pastor Aaron. It's like these guys have this, this like shepherding teacher gift. You just you see people flock to them. And they flock to people. And they just love on people. Now you might know pastors. That aren't the most loving people. That maybe they visit Churches. They go places or you're interacting with them. You're like, man, I don't feel very protected and very like loved by them in this moment. This was really kind of an aha moment for me. If this is really a spiritual gift, I believe that there's some people that are in the office and role of a pastor that have the gift of teaching. They may have the gift of leading. They might have the gift of a prophet, an apostle, but maybe they don't have the supernatural gifting of a shepherd. Are you following? That's okay. The idea of the spiritual gifts is that we're one body, many members. We all need each other for the building of God's kingdom, for his glory. Are you following? But the shepherd teacher, that is a supernatural gifting Okay, a supernatural gifting to care for people, to protect them, from to teach truth, to disciple well, to make a call for someone. Those are Ephesians chapter four. Now, the rest of the word gifts are in Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12, we read these gifts, the gift of exhortation, the gift of a leader and the gift of a teacher, the gift of exhortation. The gift of exhortation is the, the, the supernatural ability to call people to action, call people to respond, call people to make a decision. Call people to, to, maybe it's a rebuke, maybe it's a correction. They have the gift or exhortation. Maybe you find these people mean, they're not mean. Maybe they, they have the intent, the intent as well. They just feel very passionately that God is, is giving them just a, a message or, or, or giving them insight to call us to action. Are you following? It's the gift of exhortation. The next gift, the gift of leadership in Romans chapter 12 has been defined like this. It's what and where we are heading. This is the person that is not afraid to make a call for everyone. They're not; a, It's a supernatural gifting, supernatural going past our ability to make the call for everyone. Then you have a different word in Romans chapter 12 for teacher. This is the person who has the systematic, a supernatural ability to systematically break down the word of God for the spiritual nourishment of others. Okay, now again, you have the gift of teacher. Then you have this word for shepherd teacher. They might not have a supernatural, that supernatural anointing of a shepherd teacher. Guess what? That's they need to work on that. They need to be loving and kind to people. But there's a supernatural gifting to systematically break down the word of God. Maybe they're they're the people that write books. They're the people that go to conferences. They're people that break down the word of God in different way. The point is this: the point is is that there's different gifts given by the Holy Spirit, and we need all of the gifts. Some people have more than one gift. Everyone has at least one, though. And we need all of them for the building of God's church, his kingdom, for his glory. Those are the word gifts, okay? Let's move on then to the love gifts. The love gifts. And I love this because in the kingdom of God, there is no such thing as varsity and JV. But sometimes we think of that and people get in this attitude. We get into this attitude in church culture where some people are lesser than other people because they have a different gift. So as we talk about these love gifts, let's, let's define them. The purpose is to demonstrate God's love in practical and tangible ways. To demonstrate God's love in practical and tangible ways. They are all supporting gifts. They're all supporting gifts. Now that does not mean they're G- JV though. They are essential, essential to see these gifts practice here and people with these gifts in ministry here at Calvary Vista. We need these gifts just as much as we need the other gifts. They are all important. Okay. Let me read to you first Peter chapter four verses ten through eleven. This is where we see some of these gifts. First Peter four chapter four verse ten says this As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 12 verses 6 through 8 says this, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Okay, so this is where we get them from. The The purpose of them is to demonstrate God's love in practical and tangible ways. Let's talk about them. Number one, hospitality. We read there in 1 Peter chapter 4, hospitality. This is the person that supernaturally just has this, this gravity to making people feel so welcomed. They just feel so welcome. You're just drawn to the, you don't care what they look like, how they smell, okay? You're just like, man, I just, wow. You're just, come sit by me. I'm so glad you're here, Okay? Where's Grace? She got the gift of hospitality. She just loves on people. She just makes us so welcome. Remembers their name, comes, welcomes them. And this is the gift of hospitality. Man, it's an important gift, okay? Then you have the gift of service and helps. Praise God. There are so many of you with this gift. The gift of servants and help. I, I think of Jim Gerhar. I think of Mark McCaffrey. I think of so many men within our body that just have this supernatural gifting. They just want to help out. They don't care if they need to sweep. They, they got to stack chairs. They got to they gotta clean out the toilets. Man, they just have a supernatural. I don't care about it. I'm just going to do it for God's glory. This is what I do. They're just hardwired that way. So cool. The rest of us is like not our gifting. Life. I got to move chairs again. We got to work on being servant leaders and servant hearted. Right. We're all called to that. But there's some that just they had supernaturally. It's just they just do it. They don't even have to work at being servant minded, servant hearted. It's just so bred into their spiritual DNA. It's the gift of helps. It's the gift of service. So vitally important for the body of Christ. Okay? Then you have the gift of giving. The gift of generosity. Now this isn't just money. It can be money. They're just giving their time. They're giving their talents. They're giving their treasures. They're just ready to give in generosity, in abundance. Now this is a great gift to be on the receiving end of. Praise God for those with the gift of giving. No, but for real, there's some people that just have like, man, they just have the gift of, they just want to give, give, and give. You heard Pastor Mike Doyle last week. Remember he shared how he just, he was given this, this, this gift for this event he's doing at Oceanside Amphitheater on October 1st. Someone just wrote him this big old check. They just had this, this gift of giving, how the abundance of God being as generous as God. They just can't help it. They're just generous to other people. I had, I've been on the receiving end so many times of this. And it's incredible. It's like getting married young. And how are we going to, how are we going to pay for the wedding? And there's this couple at our church that, man, they were there on Sundays. They weren't there any other day of the week. But man, they prayed like crazy and they gave like crazy. They had a furniture business. They would write people checks left and right, give people mattresses, go take this, whatever you want. They were just so giving. It was supernatural. It wasn't just like they tried to be that way. It was supernatural. It's incredible. It's so essential to the body of Christ. Hospitality, service, giving, mercy. The gifts of mercy. Now, this is an interesting one, okay? Because remember, we need to distinguish the difference between natural and supernatural. Natural and supernatural. We're all called to be merciful, right? And some people have a natural ability to be merciful. Then you have people who have the supernatural gift of mercy. This is interesting. This person could even be an introvert and they don't really say hi to everyone all the time. But suddenly they see that one person and it's just a supernatural ability to love and show compassion to them. Maybe they're like that all the time, but not necessarily but they had this supernatural, just compassion, mercy, weep with that person. You're like, I don't even know you had emotions. And it's just supernatural. It comes upon them. You know, I think of, I think of um, in a, a moment in my life when this happened. I was at a summer camp. I was serving at Calvary Lompoc, but we're at a Calvary Vista summer camp. It was the first time. Pastor Aaron was hosting it and I brought my family up and my wife was pregnant and she had like a I don't know Presley was like a year old and I'm about to teach the next day and they all get sick and they're staying in the cabin there at camp and I'm not staying with them I'm staying with the students and we were sweating and it's terrible and Eddie and Don were staying in the house my wife doesn't know Don And Dawn doesn't know my wife and she just has this supernatural gift of mercy. Mom mode, she just gets into it. My daughter's vomiting everywhere. My wife's stressing out. And Dawn's like midnight. She just comes to the rescue. Just this gift of mercy. She starts loving on my wife. She she does the laundry. She helps clean up, gets her all set up. It's a supernatural gift of mercy. It will just happen sometimes. Given by God essential for the work in the ministry, essential, such an important gift. So these gifts, they might be background gifts. People, These people aren't necessarily always in the forefront, but they are so important and critical. Man, if you have this gift and you're not exercising it regularly at Calvary Visa, please, it is so important. We invite you to, to, to walk in this gifting here. Then the next one is the gift of administration. The last one there in the love gifts. This person has a supernatural ability and gifting to guide people the ability to, to, uh, of an administrator to give, provide guidance, direction. It's like someone comes up with this idea and this vision that's that might be given from God, but they need guidance on how to get from point A to point B. This person has a supernatural gifting to help get them from point A to point B and to guide the way. Regularly, this person's actually in the background saying, hey, this is how we should do it, and this is where things should go. But they, it's a supernatural gifting and anointing by God, the gift of administration, gift of guidance critical to the church we see that gift actually in first corinthians chapter 12 verse 28 okay so we've looked at the word gifts and the love gifts is this fun are you following okay last one the purpose gifts you could call it the manifestations the revelatory gifts the purpose of these first corinthians chapter 12 is to manifest the power and the glory of god's kingdom here on earth it is to be a manifestation of of God's power and glory here on earth. 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse four, let me read to you. It says this. Now there are varieties of gifts. And that word there is the spirituals, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the spirit, the utterance of wisdom, To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between Spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. The power gifts, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, that That I believe are for today. We believe are for today. Let's break them up further. The power gifts into these three different categories. I believe they may pop up here on the screen. The first is the power to know. So the power to know. The power to know, broken up, wisdom, knowledge, and the the discernment. Let's talk about this. The gift of wisdom. It's information what to do next. Okay? Okay. Information on what to do next. This is the person. You ready for it? You're gonna laugh when you think of this. It's the person you're hanging out. And all of a sudden, they're like, "We need to pray. Like, we need to stop. We need to pray." They just have this. They have this. It's a supernatural. God's leading them. Manifest. We need to pray right now. They have this. This. This knowledge on what to do next. It's a person says. Collectively, we need to repent. You're like, dude, I'm not in sin. We need to all repent right now. Come before the Lord. The person who who says we need to share with that guy, we need to, we need to go to, go talk to them about Jesus. I don't know why it's that guy. God just told me we gotta go talk to that one guy. It's the gift of wisdom. It's the gift of wisdom. What to do next? Information on what to do next. Okay. Then you have the gift of knowledge. This is access to information you wouldn't know. You know something about someone. They're in trouble. They're in sin. Maybe they're gifting and they're anointing. My wife has this gift. The Lord sometimes, she she doesn't get to control it. All these gifts are sovereign. Whenever God wants to give it, whenever God wants to make himself known, and she'll wake up, she'll be reading her Bible, and she'll say, honey... How have you talked to so and so? I gotta talk to them. This literally happened. It's a girl in our youth group. Her and her boyfriend, yep, honey. I just know I'm I gotta give her a call. I hadn't talked to that girl for like two years. She graduated out of our, our youth ministry. Calls her, sure enough. Exactly what my what the Lord had given her. Now, the key with all these. It's is, is humility. Maybe I'm wrong. Very, very key. Maybe I'm wrong. But I sense. I sense the Lord gave me the thought. The Lord gave me this idea. Is this true? It's always for what? To manifest God's kingdom, his power, and he's a loving God. And his kindness leads us to repentance. It is not to condemn. It is not to truthfully, without any love, rebuke. No, it's like, hey, God just wants you to know he's got something better for you, girl. He's got something better for you. He's calling you back. I want you to know. Okay, can I pray for you? All right. Prayed for her, hung up the phone. A supernatural gift and just know. Maybe it's, it's like you just know that, per, you know, there's someone else in this room that has this gift that came up to me. I hadn't told a soul that we were pregnant with our third. And this, this person comes up to me. She goes, you're having a baby, aren't you? We like found out a week before. You're having a baby, aren't you? Yeah. How do you know? Okay. Supernatural gift. Even said, even told me that it was going to be a boy. Sure enough, it was a boy. Supernatural gift of knowledge. It's how It's encouraging. All these gifts, they're to encourage the body, okay? So wisdom, knowledge, discernment, it's the power to know the source of someone. Some of you have this gift. You walk into a place, you talk to a person, and either you know, wow, that person's really anointed or maybe that person's really demonic. We're in a place, God's here, or no, there's something demonic and dark is happening in here. And you just kind of have that radar. It's like, walk into a place you're like whoa it's dark in here your spouse your friend's like what are you talking about like lights are on people seem friendly they're smiling you're like no there's something dark happening or or the person's like god is so in the room right now and you're like yeah theologically like i know god's like he's he's here he's with us i know like, no he's here Cool, okay. You know it's a supernatural power to know the source. The source, whether the source of God or demonic source. Person's like like, man, it feels cold in here. It's like, no, it's a hundred degrees outside in Vista, it's the hottest weekend since I moved here, and they're like, No, it's like there's something demonic cold. Sometimes it comes in a physical feeling, cold, cold, dark. You you, you sense in moments, it's like there's this warmth that comes over you. It's the presence of God. Like, wow, wow. It's incredible. Does it happen all the time? But man, when it happens. What a gift. God manifesting himself. I'm here. I'm with you. Okay. Okay. Man, the, the gift of discernment or the, the the power to know, the manifestation of discernment, this is the person that maybe they, 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 they have a testimony of seeing a demon or seeing an angelic being. They're like, "Man, that was an angel," or that was, that was a demonic being. So it's this manifestation of discernment that's that's given here in First Corinthians chapter 12. Are you following? power to know these gifts we can also break them down into the power to do these are the faith healing and miracle let's define these this is someone who this is the the spirit of god manifests himself in a way this person he he or she they just have faith what does that mean they have faith that god is going to do what he said a supernatural uh, uh, anointing manifestation of the spirit you read Joel chapter two and it's like the spirit will be poured out on all flesh in last days. And the person's like, yes, I know it's going to happen. I think our buddy, Pastor Mike Doyle, he's got the gift of faith. He just believes God's going to pour out his spirit on that day, October 1st, in the amphitheater that God desires to bring revival here to San Diego County. Man, some of us got doubts. That's okay. It's okay. But we need the the person with the gift of faith. Say, God's going to do what he says, the gift of faith, okay? Then you have the gift of healing. This can be physical or inner healing. Now, again, this is a great moment to pause. It's a great moment to pause and recognize all these spiritual gifts, they are given sovereignly from God. He decides, we do not decide when these gifts or manifestations of the Spirit are put into practice or into play. There are some that have misused and abused this gift and claim to have it all the time and will straighten out your knees and one foot's longer than the other and this arena event and that arena. All the gifts or the manifestations of the Spirit are sovereignly given by God when He says, not when we say. But do we believe in the scriptures when it says, anoint them with oil, gather the elders, pray with them, pray for healing? Let's see. We're going to ask permission. God, do you want me to pray for this? Let's pray for it. God will pour out his spirit when he sees fit because he's sovereign and he's in control. But have I seen people get healed? Yes. Yes, I have. I've seen God manifest his power in this way still for today so then you have the gift of miracles now i got a funny story about this one real quick i know we're going late but this is fun so the gift of miracle this is god manifesting his power in defying natural law and or demonic deliverance okay the gift of miracles we still believe that people can be demon possessed today amen We still believe that God desires to set them free. And in those moments, there's the manifestation of the gift of miracles that takes place. That person is restored, they're rescued, they're delivered. Now, the funny story about this is also, though, the gift of miracles when it defies natural law. Okay? So, uh, this isn't, it's not a, it's not a real story, but it's kind of a real story. Last week... Uh, Mark McCaffrey, he tells me that there's this water pipe that bursts. Okay, This is like Sunday. It bursts, or Saturday. It bursts. And it bursts. And so none of the condos in his community, none of them have water. And I'm like, dude, let's pray right now that it fixes in the name of Jesus. He went home that night, and it was fixed in the name of Jesus. But people had actually put it back together. But the gift of miracles... <laughs> The gift of miracles, it's, it's, it's like it is, it is a supernatural manifestation of God's presence. You, mean you pray for the rain to stop. Maybe it stops. Maybe it doesn't stop. But why not pray? You know, like think about that. That's not a big deal to us. But think about the early church. Think about the storm that was coming. Think about you know, we're we're so used to like weather and predicting it, but guess what? We haven't always had that technology. So believers saying, as they're stuck in the wilderness, stuck in the desert, you know, early church, and it's like, hey, well, Lord, will you give us some cover? Will you put some clouds there? And he put some clouds there. He manifests his power to know, like he's there, okay? It's showing that God's presence, that God's power, he's manifesting, he's showing himself. You following? So lastly, then you have the, the. these are the power gifts, the power to know, the power to do, and the power to declare. These all have to do with words. But again, these are different than the charismatic guys, word gifts. These are the pneumaticos, the spirituals, the manifestations. So you have the gift of tongs the gift of interpretation of tongues and the gift of prophecy. Tongues. This can be human tongues and angelic tongues. There's so many cool stories with this one. I mean, I prayed for the gift of angelic tongues. My grandma has this weird background where she's been serving in a Baptist church forever, but she she got saved and had this encounter at a Pentecostal church and she spoke in tongues. She'd never speak in tongues in front of me growing up. Never, never. And I was like, Grand, when I got on fire for the Lord, I'm like, what's the deal? Like, I kind of know you speak in tongues, but you've never done it in front of me. She's like, honey, just pray for it. Just ask. Just pray. Pray. Lord, he given the gift of tongues. So for me, that's angelic tongues. It's a reminder of his presence, manifestation of his power. There's also the gift of tongues, and it has to be human tongues. This is what we see in Acts chapter 2, and they're speaking in different languages. There's so many incredible stories. I had a friend that she was praying for this person that was uh, this person it was European and she stops praying and the person starts weeping on the other side of the phone and the, the other person goes did you learn that language from that's my language and she was like what no it wasn't like I spoke in English she's like no I heard I forget the language I heard my language you spoke in my language it was God just supernaturally manifesting his power his gifting that that person might feel loved and know that the presence of God is with them it's so cool So cool. Um, Then you have the interpretation of tongues. The interpretation of tongues. We know that Paul gave very, very specific um, directions of how this should be exercised in the church. We know that the gift of tongues, okay, we can provide a space for that. But there has to be the interpretation of tongues. And so the person then that has the interpretation for that tongue that was given, they're able to translate it, okay? then you have the gift of prophecy here. And I do believe there's a difference here than the gift of the prophet that we saw there in Ephesians 4 and then this here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Again, the purpose is the same. It's for the edification and encouragement and comfort of the saints. And it is God speaking to men through other men and women. But this gift can get super dangerous Super dangerous in being exercised. And there are specific qualifications for this, but it's a blessing. It's a great gift. And the qualifications, though, or we have to understand, it's always for corporate edification, not for personal edification. You know, the person that is like pulling you aside and maybe like... uh, this gift of prophecy, and this is gonna happen, and this is gonna happen, this is gonna happen. Hey, sometimes maybe we need to test that though. It's for corporate edification. In 1 Corinthians chapter, I believe it's either 13 or 14, says it needs to be judged by other prophets. It needs to be judged. We have to test the spirits. But regardless, it's a it's a gift that we shouldn't not use, but we just need to use within the boundaries that Scripture provides when it's given. So much comfort, so much edification comes to the body, the gift of prophecy. Are you guys following? Okay, so we just went through a bunch, pretty much all of the spiritual gifts in Scripture. So let's land the plane here. I want to make a couple comments of application. Number one, the spiritual gifts are not given for ownership, but stewardship. The spiritual gifts are given for ownership not steward or sorry not for ownership but for stewardship. What do I mean? It is not our gift to use whenever we want. It has been a gift given to us for us to steward. God can remove the gift anytime he wants. We need to steward that gift never for our glory. Always for his glory. Never for our kingdom. Always for his kingdom. So we have to steward the gift of God that has been given to us, which also means use it. It also means use it. If he's given to you, he's given it to you to use in the context of the gathering of saints that we call the church. Use the gift. Find out ways. Ask us pastors, how can, you know, what is a way in area of ministry I can get involved in here? When you guys ask that, we're ecstatic, okay? Ask, use it. We're called to steward the gift. Everyone's been given a gift, but it's not ours to own. God gives it, takes it away whenever, however he pleases, which means then we should ask for permission sometimes. Like, God, do you want me to exercise this gift right now? God, would you, would you help me in this gifting right now? Number two, discovering your spiritual gifts provides direction for God's plan for your life. Discovering your spiritual gift provides direction for God's plan for your life. Praise God, my wife, as I was sitting there, my first year in ministry, trying to learn guitar so I could lead worship to my 10 students that were in the ministry at Calvary Lompoc. Praise God, she looked at me and she said, honey, that is not your gift. And I looked at her and I said, Honey, you don't have the gift of encouragement. No. (laughs) It's not my gift. It held me like, Hone in, okay. This This is kind of the lane that God's called me to. I need to stay in. Now... At moments, he, we need to learn other things outside of our gifting. We need to grow in areas of being a servant, even if you don't have the gift of helps. So we need to grow in, in preaching the gospel, even if you don't have the gift of evangelism. The, we, need to grow in certain, we need to grow in the gift of mercy or being merciful to other people, even if we don't have that gift. We need to grow in being hospitable people because that all reflects the nature of who our God is. But it is so helpful for us to discover our gift, to understand how God wants to use us in the context of the ministry to build his kingdom for his glory, okay? So discovering it, ask. Tonight, we're going to ask, Lord, would you reveal your gifts to your church? Would you pour them out? Would you reveal them? That's our prayer, okay? So one way to discover it, number three, is if you're frustrated in a certain ministry, that's probably not your gift. But if you're frustrated for a certain ministry, that might just be your gift. What do I mean? If you're like doing it and you're stuck in chairs and you're like, I can't believe Tyler asked me to stack chairs again or he asked me to do this or I can't believe they asked me to hang out with children's ministry. I can't stand children. They're stinky and snotty and nasty. <laughs> okay, might not be your gift. Okay, let's, let's find a different place for you. But if you're frustrated for that ministry, you're like, man, I just, I have so much vision. I feel like I can help in this area and I feel like I can add to it. Maybe that might be, not every time, but possibly that's an area where God wants you to get involved in. He wants you to be a part of the solution, not just bring more problems to and not critique every little thing, but say, hey, I think I'd like to help in this. In a humble attitude. That might just simply be your gift. Might not, but it can be helpful in discovering it. Uh, Lastly, number four, and this is going to transition into our time of worship, so I will invite Eddie and Don to come back up, is practicing the spiritual gifts prepares us for his presence. Practicing the spiritual gifts prepares us for his presence. Why? Because in order to practice them, we have to rely on him. We cannot practice the spiritual gifts without the giver of the gifts, who is God. We do not strive and look after and pursue the gifts. We pursue God and he gives the gifts. But as we participate and exercise and walk in those giftings, we do sense the presence of God in a supernatural way. There are moments when when you are are walking in obedience to the area that God's called you to serve and to minister in, whichever way it looks like. sense like, man, God's really with me right now. And it is such an encouragement and comfort to to know that he's with us in those moments. Amen? So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for a moment. We're going to sing one song, inviting the Holy Spirit, And I just feel compelled, I feel encouraged to just pray that God would pour out his gifts among us. Not for our glory. Not even for you to to seek anything except to know what we saw at the beginning. We talked about the beginning. The reason why you have breath in your lungs and God has not called you to him is because he has a plan for your life. And that plan has to do With giving him glory, he desires to use you, he loves you, he has a plan for you, he's gifted you. His heart isn't that you would be dormant and come in and out and go through life without this experience of this empowered, spirit-filled life. Now, no, just as we saw in the model and ministry of Jesus, whether we exercise the giftings or not, it doesn't change the way that the Father looks at you. He loves you. It's where your identity is found. But man, he is calling you. He does have a purpose for you. We're not here just to go to work and just mosey on through life and watch Netflix at night and I don't know. No, God has us here because he desires to partner with us or really that we would partner with him for what he desires to do in our world at this church in this community. He's got a plan for it. And so the posture then is, are you desperate for it? Are we desperate? Are we desperate for his intervention? Are we sick and tired of building our life and doing our thing without a glimpse or dependency upon him? doesn't need to be something crazy. Doesn't need to be something wild. Doesn't mean that there's gonna be this the building's gonna shake and we're gonna go out and plant ten churches throughout the North County. That's not the idea. The idea is that God desires that we would partner with Him through life, to walk with Him, to live with Him, to be sensitive to Him, that He does have a mission for us while we're here. So He's calling us to Himself that we would know what that is and to walk in it. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are a good God and a good father who gives gifts to your children. God, I pray for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would give gifts to your church. God, I pray that you would help identify tonight the gifts that you have given to those that are in this room or are watching online. I pray that you would raise up those with the gift of hospitality, mercy, service, helps, giving, administration, evangelist, teacher, shepherd. I pray that you would manifest yourself the gifts of healing, the gifts of prophecy, the different gifts. God, we we desire to see you move. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you pour out your gifts upon your church, upon us? Would you give us a desperation for more of you? I pray that we would hunger and thirst for righteousness, we thank you that the promise that you've given, that when we hunger and thirst, you promise that we would be filled. God, I pray that you would fill us with less of us and with more of you. If you're here tonight and you're like, man, I have no idea what God is calling me to, but I desire for clarity. I want to invite you just to stand up to stand up out of your seat and you're like, I have no idea what my gift is, but I desire for God to gift me. I desire to be used for him. I desire for his will to be done in my life. I want to invite you just to stand up. Father, I pray for those standing. Father, I pray for those standing that they would sense your presence and your peace right now. I pray, Lord, that you would Show them how you've gifted them of what you're calling them to. God, I pray that you would pour out your spirit upon them, that you would give them direction, that you would give them faith to step out in obedience wherever it may be that you are calling them to. Jesus, I thank you for them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.